It was the moment we would say goodbye, at least until the funeral a few days later. My family is not particularly religious, but it seemed like a moment for a prayer or something. I was emotionally drained, though. I felt like I was in a trance. I couldn't make a decision or think of anything on the spot. Everyone put a hand on him, my mom said. The van driver waited patiently with Cindy at the dining table as the family gathered around the car bed. My mom quietly said prayers she had repeated for years as a child in parochial school. The Our Father and the Hail Mary, followed by one I had never heard, the Angel of God. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. With tears in my eyes, I looked to the van driver. He's ready, I said. Would you like me to carry him, or would a family member prefer to do it, he asked gently. It felt like a heavy burden to have to make that decision. I wasn't supposed to walk downstairs because of my C-section, but I hoped someone else would step in. I looked at Ross, and he shook his head no. You can take him, I said to the driver. My brother Mark jumped in. No, I'll do it. I was so grateful. Outside, it was pitch dark, and the rain was still coming down in sheets. Ross and I stood side by side at the window and watched as Mark carried Thomas's body down the hill from our building. He placed the car bed in the back of the van and stepped away. The man shut the doors and drove off. We watched as Mark walked back up the hill in the rain. Thomas had spent every minute he was alive with people who cared about him. His parents, his brother, our families, our doctors and nurses, Chaplain Philip Brooks. This part of his life was now over. He was going out by himself now. We knew that Thomas would be transported to Children's National Medical Center on Michigan Avenue Northwest in D.C., which is less than two miles from our home. In another unusual twist to the preparations, WRTC had made arrangements with Inova Fairfax to do the organ recovery, assuming that Thomas would die there. They subsequently had to scramble to make arrangements with Children's National as opposed to Inova Fairfax, which even at only 18 miles away would have been too far to send him. I learned later that this was an unusual and professionally brave request of them to make, since Thomas had not been a patient at Children's. We didn't know specifically which organs or tissues might be recovered, although we knew there was a chance for the liver to go to Cytonet if it met the requirements. In my dream world, I wanted WRTC to tell me that every single part of my son's body was incredibly valuable and interesting, and that the field of science was about to take a giant leap forward because of him. The happiness and amazement I felt when I touched his little fingers, his chin, and his toes. Well, I wanted researchers to feel the same thing when they saw his pancreas, his kidneys, his heart valves, and his ocular cells. Mark came back in, and we all hugged one another and cried. I was exhausted down to my bones. Everyone else seemed to be drained as well. They left Ross and me to get some sleep. Around 10 a.m., after a brief, exhausted sleep, the phone rang. It was Becky Hill. I'm calling to tell you the recovery was a success. What does that mean? He got there in time? Yes. What did they recover? I asked. His eyes and his liver. That's it? I was disappointed that they didn't need more, but two things was better than one or none. We tried to find more placements, but those were the only two we could arrange. His liver is going to cytonet, and his eyes will go to research.
Where will they go, do you know? Not right now, but you will be getting a letter. For now, he's on his way to the funeral home. Again, the news about the donation made me feel like a champion. The planning, the blood draws, the paperwork, the interviews, it had all paid off. In the midst of the pain, I felt accomplishment, even a lightness. Later that day, I got an email from Heidi Cope at Duke saying that the blood had arrived in good condition. Yes. I had done what I set out to do in making these donations happen, but it was still too early to know if it was worth it. It was encouraging, yes, but also somewhat anticlimactic because there was still no sense of what the donations might do in the long run. That same day, I got a call from Cindy Barnett, a woman in Missouri City, Texas, who was pregnant with fraternal twins.